Welcome to this edition of PowerPoint with Jack Graham. A little later in the program, we'll tell you how you can get a copy of Dr. Graham's new book, The Essential Gospel. But first, here's the message, God and Government. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 13. We believe in a biblical world view. That is, we see the world and everything in it through the lens of Scripture. Jesus said in the last days, before I come, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Now, we know there have been wars in every generation, from generation to generation. But in the final hours of history, these wars will magnify and intensify more and more. So the question we ask in light of wars and rumors of war, is war ever justified? Is there ever a just cause or a reason for war? We face issues in our generation of faith and freedom. And then there are the issues in uh, every generation, certainly ours, of crime and punishment. As in the last days, lawlessness will increase. I, I don't want to discourage you, but things are not getting better in our world. In fact, things are getting worse, and Jesus said it will get worse before it gets better when He comes again. So we have violence in the streets, we have anarchy and chaos, we have political attacks upon um, our police and, uh, and those who try to keep the peace, all of that we've been dealing with. We've been dealing with issues of the sanctity of life and sanctity and sacredness of marriage. People talk about the separation of church and state as though it is in our Constitution. The phrase separation of church and state is not in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, God and the founders never intended for our God to be separated from the people. God and government are clearly connected because God, as we're about to see, establishes and ordains all governments, including our own. The, the phrase separation of church and state actually appeared in a letter written by Thomas Jefferson years ago. But how often have we heard, don't bring your politics into the pulpit. We would have never had a revolution in America, an American revolution, if pastors and ministers had not stood for freedom in that generation. When you say don't bring your politics into the pulpit, then you would have to exclude the Apostle Paul because what we're about to re read is politics from Paul in the pulpit. And you know, politics matter. And do you know why politics matter? Politics matter because policies matter. And policies matter because people matter. And so God's Word addresses faith and freedom, politics, in the pulpit. And so beginning in verse 1 of Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, that is, authorities, have been instituted 
by God, he is the king of glory. The earth is the Lord and the fullness of all of it. Therefore, verse 2, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And the word judgment there means punishment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant. Who is God's servant? The government, the ruling authorities. It includes governors and magistrates and kings and presidents and police officers and first responders, all who have been given authority. These are described in God's Word as servants or ministers of God. The Word is the same word given in the New Testament for deacon. These are the servants of God and an avenger that is bringing vengeance and judgment who carries out God's, watch this, wrath on the wrongdoer. Wrath, God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, both the human conscience of the soul and the holy conscience of the Christian. For Because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, when God made the world, and put the man and the woman in the garden, he immediately began establishing order, orchestrating and ordaining the way that we are to live together. So there has been established by God three institutions that have authority in our lives, the authority of God. One first was the home and the family. Before there was any other institution, there was marriage. The Bible says male and female, He created them. That has not changed regarding biblical marriage. And God established the home and therefore marriage and the family as the very foundation of all of life and culture, society. And then on the heels of that, God established His people. In the Old Testament, we would call that Israel. We we would see it. We would view it as Israel. God selected and chose out a people, His own people. And in the New Testament, we would apply this to the church. And so, the second institution that God has established are spiritual organizations, spiritual institutions, and for New Testament Christians, that is the church. So, God has given the church authority. And then, not only the church and the marriage and family, but God, as we just read a moment ago, has established a third institution, and that is government, the higher authorities, the higher powers. 
This is not referencing heavenly powers or authorities, but rather human powers and authorities. In other words, government. So that life could be lived in order. So that life can be lived uh, to honor God. God has established these institutions. There's a key word for all of us regarding all authority, and that is the word submission. It's used here that we are to submit to the higher authorities. As Christians, we are to live lives of submission, to honor to whom honor is due, to respect that which is to be respected. And in giving ourselves to honor and respect and to come under authority, the word submit means to come under. It's a military word. It means to line up and to come under the authority of a commanding officer. And so we are to live submitted to first God's authority. Not only the authority of God, but we are to submit to the authority of God's Word. Not human opinion, not what the pundits say, the politicians say, the press says, what our sentiments may feel, but we're always to live under the authority of God's Word and submitted to the clear written Word of God, which is authoritative over our lives. And we are to live, therefore, in allegiance to Christ and in obedience to God's Word. And beyond our allegiance and our submission to the authority of God and the authority of the Word of God, we are to be in submission, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, we are to be in submission to one another. And with this attitude which was in Christ Jesus, what did he say in Philippians chapter 2? Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who did not consider his authority his position, his power, his dignity as deity to a thing to be grasped or held on, but he laid down his life and he laid down his dignity as God and became a human being and he took on our flesh and he took on our sin at the cross and he died. And therefore, because of Christ's submission, God has given him a name that is above every name. He is the King of glory. But this mind of Jesus Christ is to be in us as well. It is a spirit of submission. The spirit of submission, it should be the default set of every disciple of Jesus. Because submission is not just for wives, guys, it's for Christians. It's for all of us submitting to God, submitting to God's Word, and submitting to one another, and that's in the church. As we love one another and serve one another and minister to one another. So, None of us have carte blanche freedom to do what we want to do. We are to be in submission to all authority. So all authority is God's authority. You're listening to PowerPoint with Jack Graham and today's message, God and government. Our world needs revival. And if that's going to happen, it has to take place in Christians first. That can only happen through the recovery and rediscovery of our passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we want to send you a copy of Pastor Graham's new book, The Essential Gospel, 
which goes to the very heart of the good news our world so desperately needs to hear. The Essential Gospel is our special thanks for your gift to PowerPoint. So request your copy when you call today. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word ESSENTIAL to 59789. And don't forget to visit jackgraham.org where you can shop our e-store, give a gift online, or sign up for Dr. Graham's free daily email devotional. Our website again is jackgraham.org. Now let's get back to today's message, God and Government. So how does that work with God and government? All government, both good and bad, is given by God or allowed by God. When it says, look at it again, be subject to the governing authorities, it doesn't tell us what kind of government. Remember, when Paul was writing this to the Roman Christians, they were under the authority, the power, the despot, the dictator, the cruel Nero, who is about to put them on poles and light the night of his Roman gardens. They were under uh, incredible persecution as believers in Christ. And yet, and yet, the clear command of Scripture is to submit to the governing authorities. So what is the reason for this government and its authority, regardless of the kind of government? What is the purpose and God's plan for government? To provide peace and protection to its citizens safety and security for its people. Therefore, when Paul speaks of government and governing authorities here, he immediately goes to the issue of crime and punishment. Because the role of government is to provide for the security and safety of its people. And that includes restraining evil and slowing violence and punishing lawbreakers. We are to submit to government always with the exception of when that government violates the Word of God in our lives. When the apostles were charged with preaching Christ and told never to speak His name again, and told we will beat you and imprison you and eliminate you if you continue to do that, Peter stood and said with the other apostles, we must obey God and not man. And so we obey God. But in obeying God, God gives room to exercising authority in order to slow and to even stop violence in a community or in a country or in a nation. Let every person be subject. That is all-inclusive. You, we are not given a pass. I said except when we choose to obey God and not man over biblical priorities and practices in our lives. So, let every person There's no place in the Christian's life for the spirit of rebellion. 
for a spirit of uh, vengeance or violence. We are to submit to God's ordained authority in life. And when we do not submit, when we break the laws of a culture, we need to be ready to accept the consequences of breaking those laws. Even if you break a law that is unjust, let's say, because of your conscience and your faith in the Word of God, you must be willing to accept the consequences of breaking the law. That is all a part of submission. Now, we ask the question regarding crime and punishment, and a big one throughout time has been, is capital punishment biblical? It continues to be an issue in half the country sides on, no, we should not have capital punishment. The other half says, yes, we should. But what does the Bible say? Go to your Bibles, open them to Genesis 9 and verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God has made man in his own image. This is a eternal biblical principles. You say that's Old Testament, that's the law, it's before the law. Genesis 9 is after the great flood when God put the whole world except Noah and his family in the gas chamber, H2O. And the entire world perished under the judgments of God. And as the new beginning comes, there is a Noahic covenant. And in that covenant, there is established this eternal, timeless, biblical principle. You take the life of another person and it requires your life. Why? Why? He tells us why. Because God made man in his own image. Because of the value of a human being. Because of the worth of an eternal soul. Because God created the man in his own image. To take another person's life is to forfeit your own life. Genesis 9, 6. You can fast forward to the law of Moses, and indeed, the Scripture says in Exodus 21 and verse 12, whoever strikes a man, this is repeating it, reinstating it in the law of Israel, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. It's clear, isn't it? Fast forward to Romans 13 that we just read a moment ago. And it says that God, or the government rather, instituted by God, ordained by God, does not bear the sword in vain. Now what is the sword in this case? The sword is an instrument of death. Yes, the Bible teaches capital punishment. You say, can a loving God call for capital punishment? 
We are not smarter, wiser, more loving, more compassionate than God, more just than God. And you need to remember that God is a God of love, but He is also a God of holiness, and He is angry with the wicked every day, according to the Scripture. And judgment is coming. We live in a world of lies. We live in a culture of lies. And the big lie is this. It's been from the beginning. You are not accountable for the things you do. Do what you want to do. When the, when the serpent slithered into the Garden of Eden, what did he say to the man and the woman? Has God said? And then he went on to say, you will not surely die. God said, you'll die if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, you'll not die. That's the lie that we're not accountable for our actions, that we're not accountable for our sins. Don't buy in to that lie. The Bible says, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so God has assigned and authorized governments to enact capital punishment. Earlier in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, we're told that we're to love without hypocrisy. Let love be genuine. Remember that passage? And on the heels of those words came this, abhor that which is evil, hate what is evil, and cling or cherish or hold to that which is good. Fact is that God has said, my authority is given to government. Now does government always get it right? Of course not. We are not in favor of any innocent person dying, ever, never. And so we should work for laws always to reform the system, to make sure that it is that capital punishment, that all punishment is fair and equitable for all people. And that includes the victims. One final word, stay with me. Jesus took capital punishment for you and me. The cross was Roman execution. And God Himself established the government that would kill His own Son. Why? Because He took our capital punishment. The wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but eternal death. And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. He took our sins and our judgment on the cross because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's commandments. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've murdered and hated and, and stolen and, and lied and coveted and, and dishonored God and taken His name in vain and, and break the commandments regarding our parents. We've all broken the commandments of God in substance and in spirit, and therefore we are guilty before God. But God took our punishment on the cross. He paid the debt. He set the captive free. He forgave us by His blood of all of our sins. He bore our iniquities on the cross. He took it Himself. Jesus died of capital punishment for your sins and mine. And therefore, when you put your faith and your trust in Him, He will save you and forgive you and change you and make you brand new. 
You're listening to PowerPoint with Jack Graham and today's message, God and Government. With so much bad news in the world today, for many it's like the end of the age is just around the corner. So right now is the moment Christians must arise and show just how essential the gospel is to a lost and broken world. That's what prompted Pastor Graham to write a new book, The Essential Gospel, which goes to the very heart of the good news our world so desperately needs to hear. And we'd love to get a copy of this powerful new resource into your hands. The Essential Gospel is our thanks for your gift today to help boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel and the hope it brings to more people around the world. So call now to request your copy of The Essential Gospel when you give. And thank you for your generosity. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word ESSENTIAL to 59789. And don't forget to visit jackgraham.org where you can shop our e-store, give a gift online, or sign up for Dr. Graham's free daily email devotional. Our website again is jackgraham.org. Pastor, what is your PowerPoint for today? I know for those of us in the body of Christ in the church, those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of God, What makes us good Christians makes us also want to be good citizens and that we love our nations. I am unapologetically a patriot, and I thank God for this great nation, and I want to do everything that I can to serve this country and to fight to defend it, its character, its qualities, and to pray for those in leadership, starting with our president and those who are in authority, and to support those who serve this nation, our fire departments, our police departments, those who serve in the military. And I could go on and on. But, you know, if you want to really be a good citizen, one of the most patriotic things you can do as an American citizen is to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ and then establish your life and your family in a good, Jesus-exalting Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church and faithfully serve Christ in that church through the ministries of that church and sharing Christ with your family and friends. The way to change America is by changing America one heart at a time, one life at a time, one family at a time, one church at a time. And God can use you to touch a person's life, to transform a community, a state, and even a nation. As Christians, we don't need to be a part of the problem. We need to be a part of the solution. We are salt and light in this world as Jesus has called us to penetrate the decay and the darkness and to make a difference. In order to do that, we have to be different. Let our lives stand out, not only as citizens of this great nation, but as Christians and followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is today's PowerPoint. Remember, when you give a gift to PowerPoint, we'll send you Dr. Graham's new book, The Essential Gospel, as our thanks. Call 1-800-795-4627. That's 1-800-795-4627. You can also text the word ESSENTIAL to 59789. Join Dr. Graham next time when he brings a message about how you can live boldly for God in today's ungodly culture. That's next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint with Jack Graham is sponsored by PowerPoint Ministries.